Well, it's no surprise that I have been looking at the different paths we choose in life between being a victor and a victim. Today I'm going to look at one that's not in the book, and we're going to look at the life of Noah. And a major difference between victors and victims is that victors are willing to play the long game, while victims are quick to give up when things get bad, or sometimes they'll quit when things just get boring. Playing the long game means being willing and able to persevere through difficult circumstances with your eye on the prize. I don't know if you know, but this past weekend there was a football game. And for professional football players, training camp opens in mid-July, and the Super Bowl is mid-February usually. During the regular season, teams will play 1,020 minutes of football. If they have a good enough record, they qualify for the playoffs. Then they must win one or two games, depending on how their season went. And then they go to the conference championship game. And then if they win that, then they go to the Super Bowl. Teams that don't play the long game don't make it to the Super Bowl. In today's Bible passage, which is going to be Genesis 6 through 8, we will find that Noah had to play the long game of trusting God, not to win a sporting event, but to survive and thrive. As we study this text, we'll learn some principles that lead us down the path of victory. The first principle is, in the long game of trusting God with our lives, we must learn to tune out the noise of the world. There are many distractions that can cause a person to miss the path of victory, the path of righteousness. And it's hard to keep a positive attitude when the world seems to be void of righteousness sometimes. Sometimes it feels <coughs> like everyone is following their own desires and nobody is seeking God. Such a culture is described in the days of Noah. Look at Genesis 6 verse 5. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's quite a statement. Let me read that again. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. <coughs> Despite some advice you may have heard, it's a dangerous thing to follow your heart. Your heart cannot be trusted unless it's under the control of the Holy Spirit. Then when you're walking with God, you can, as Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. When your desires match God's desires for you, then and only then can you trust your heart. And the Word of God tells us that the predominant spiritual condition in the days of Noah consisted of people persistently focused on evil. Then in the next verse, we read something even more shocking. Verse 6, the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. Now, don't read too much into this statement. It does not mean that God made a mistake when he created man. It means just what it said. He was grieved in his heart. He was deeply upset. It is, though, sort of a shocker 
to read that our creator was so deeply grieved that he had created humans. Not only that, but the spiritual pollution from human sin of unrestrained sins impacted not just the people, but all of creation. Verse 7, the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, from man to animals to creeping things and to the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I made them. It sounds like God is going to push the reset button on planet Earth and destroy everything on it. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, verse 8 tells us. Jump down a few verses to verse 11. Still the earth was corrupt in the sight of God and the earth was filled with violence. <coughs> God looked on the earth and, looked, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. And then God said to Noah in verse 13, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. And behold, I am about to destroy them with the earth. And I wonder if Noah is thinking what I'm thinking for him. What about Noah? Hadn't he found favor in the eyes of the Lord? Well, the Bible told us in verses 8 and 9, Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. End of verse 9, Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time. Noah walked with God, even when everyone else was ignoring God and doing whatever they wanted to do. Noah did not conform to their ways. Instead, he was transformed by God's ways. It's a beautiful thing that God shows love and grace and mercy to those who love and follow him. Noah would be saved from destruction due to his devotion to God and God's ways. Noah played the long game of obedience to God in a society that did the very opposite. He tuned out the noise of the world and he tuned into the voice of his creator. The second principle is that in the long game of trusting God, we might be overwhelmed by the tasks that he gives us but we must persevere. You may have heard that God won't give you more than you can handle. Don't believe that lie. God will regularly give you more than you can handle. And you know why? So that you trust him, so that you know you're doing it in his work. It's not your own ability getting these things done. God gave Noah instructions for building an ark, an enormous seaworthy ship that would be a refuge during the time of God's vengeance on earth, as we see in Genesis 6, 16. In verse 17, God told Noah, Behold, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life. From under heaven, everything that is on the earth shall perish. Not only did God give Noah an enormous task, but the lives of his family and all the animals depended on him accomplishing this task perfectly. It couldn't sink, right? That would have been a bad thing. God made his presence clear to Noah by telling him, I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your wife's sons with you. So not only is God going to spare Noah from dying in the flood, but he's also making a covenant with Noah and his family. And we know that covenants are sacred agreements, in this case, between God and mankind. 
And God gave, in verse 19, God gave Noah some instructions and the other passengers on the ark, two of every living creature, male and female. Verse 21, he reminded him to pack some food for him, his animals, uh, his family and the animals. And I love the simplicity of verse 22. Thus Noah did. According to all that God had commanded him, so he did. That's beautiful, isn't it? After the ark was built, the Lord told Noah and his family to board the ark and as we go into chapter 7. And it's sad that nobody outside Noah's family believed God's word and trusted the one true living God. God gave Noah instructions on the boarding of all kinds of animals in chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. He gave him the weather forecast and the resulting disaster in verse 4. And verse 5, once again, it just simply says, Noah did according to all the Lord had commanded him. And then my summary of verses 7 through 24, simply everything happened in the way that God had told Noah because God keeps his word. He, that's why he could be trusted. So Noah was floating on the waters in an ark with his family and the animals. Verse 24 tells us the water prevailed upon the earth 150 days. As we'll see later, there's 40 days of rain and 110 days in which the land was flooded without any sign of the water going down. So Noah had a big job to build that ark to save his family and the animals that God sent him. You probably won't get an assignment quite like that, but he's going to give you some big assignments. Don't let big assignments given to you by God overwhelm you as you act in obedience to God. Play the long game of trusting God when it's easy and when it's hard. The third principle is that in the long game of trusting God, the duration of our waiting on him will test our faith. Have you ever followed someone's instructions and then waited a long time for the next thing to happen? Have you ever waited five months or more? That's what, as we get into chapter 8, not that Noah had any other good options at this time, but that's a long time to wait. What goes through your mind when you're waiting so long? You might wonder if you've been forgotten. But God doesn't forget his people. Look at chapter 8, a beginning verse. God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. Now the word remembered does not indicate that God had forgotten about Noah and everything on the ark. Instead, it's better understood that at this time, God acted on their behalf. And the second part of verse 1 tells us how. God caused a wind to pass over the earth, and the water subsided. Verse 2 tells us also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed, and the rain from the sky was restrained. Verse 3, the water receded steadily from the earth, and at the end of 150 days, the water decreased. Now, they would still have to wait a while before they could leave the ark, and growing up in New England, we understand this because we know about mud season. You know, uh, but our mud season, think of that mud season, 150 days. Everything on the earth, the highest point to the lowest point, 
there wasn't any land that was not covered by water. And so they had to wait for the land to become hospitable, I guess you could say, to get out. They were on the ark a total of 370 days. As I said before, 40 days it rained. 110 days the floodwaters covered all the earth. And then for 220 days they waited until the land was suitable for them to disembark. As we see in chapter 8, verse 16, eventually God told Noah, go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives with you. Verse 17, next all the living creatures exited the ark. What would be one of the first things that you would do after getting out of an ark filled with animals for over one year? Well, I guarantee one thing, we would probably all step out and want to breathe fresh air. Some of you might kiss the ground. Some of you might run around releasing your cabin fever. Noah built an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings on the altar to God. That was his first impulse. And there's a phrase that's sometimes used in sports when players advance to a big game. Act like you've been there before. In other words, when you come to a big moment, have confidence that God will bring you through that and, have, and act like you've done that before, even if you haven't been there. In his first moment back on terra firma, Noah does what he did before. In other words, this taste of victory was not a novel experience for him. He had trusted God before, and he knew who deserved the credit. So the first thing he did was build an altar to worship his God. His faith had been tested and proven to be real. And as we wait on God, our faith in God will be tested. And I hope that our faith will be shown to be real, vibrant, and growing in the Lord our God. Each of you students is currently playing the long game and are at different stages of it. It takes 120 to 130 credit hours to graduate from NEBC, depending on your major. Some of you are starting out, and graduation seems a long ways off. You're just beginning to play the long game of trusting God here at NEBC. Some of you are about three months away from graduation, and it probably seems like it's coming real fast. You're nearing the completion of the long game of trusting God here at NEBC. But God has called all of us here to shape us for whatever he has next for us to do. God does not waste time with us. He will use in some way everything that is happen that has happening to you while you're here at NEBC. He wants you to play the long game of trusting him and growing as one of his disciples. So remember the principles that we observed in Noah's life. Number one, in the long game of trusting God with our lives, we must learn to tune out the noise of the world. Number two, in the long game of trusting God, we might be overwhelmed by the tasks that he gives us, but we must persevere. 
Number three, in the long game of trusting God, the duration of our waiting on him will test our faith. So take seriously your need to play the long game of trusting God until you meet him face to face. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, for your grace and mercy, for the way that you're working here in our school. And I pray that you, you help each one of us play that long game of trusting you. When, when things get heavy for us, I pray that we'll lift those burdens to you, that we'll be yoked with you, this is a beautiful thing when we get to see Jesus work through our lives and through our school. May you work mightily in the students and staff and faculty here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.